We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome back to the Bear Report Podcast. My name is Jeremy Stoltz. I am the publisher of BearReport.com here today again following a Bears loss with Bears insider Aaron Lemming. How are you feeling? You know, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely sucks to see him continue to lose, but at the same time, at least they're losing with their future. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's kind of, as a fan standpoint, it's kind of annoying to know that we're five weeks of the season and their season's already over. Now you've kind of got to do the, I guess you could say the the losers prep and kind of sit there and try to take the positives out of everything and hope for development. I'm sure we'll get more into that, but I don't know, man. I'm starting to get a little little tired of uh, yeah. having to take the same mindset every every season. It seems like lately. Yeah, I was just about to say when you when you started talking about looking for development, you know, down this down the line. I mean, we're week we're heading into week six here, and we're already talking about looking for development. And that yeah, for a Bears fan, it has to be so tiring. Every single year. I mean, we've had a couple seasons over the past six where there was some hope for the playoffs. Uh, didn't happen, but uh, last three years really have just been so miserable and so bad from from almost start to finish that, yeah, you know, week six, we're talking uh, nine players on IR, one and four record, already lost two divisional games. It's just, it's just not looking good for the 2017 season. I agree. That in itself can be depressing, but... You know, the conversation's all about Mitch Trubisky and what he put on tape last night. Uh, you want to get to that or you want to talk to injuries first? Um, let's go ahead and do the injuries and just right. make sure we get that out of the way because right. I'm sure the Trubisky conversation will be a big one. Yeah, it's going to go on for a while. Um, John Timu left yesterday's game, carted off, looked pretty bad, but apparently reported to deba- today to just be a high ankle sprain. So uh, timetable there is about two to four weeks. That's good news. Uh, Trevathan comes back uh, this week, right? 
Yeah, this week is yeah. only one game suspension. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, you know, the Bears linebacking crew, which appeared, you know, really decimated last night. We'll talk about that. Uh, it's looking a little bit better uh, today than it was last night. But uh, outside linebacker not looking as good. Willie Young placed on injured reserve. What And what was the injury with Young? Uh, it was a triceps tear. Yeah. Uh, well, you have some. Do you want to talk about this right now? That the thoughts on you know what what has gone on under John Fox with these injuries? Yeah, I mean, it, and it's something that I've been working on. Obviously, you know, you know, because I've talked to you about it a little bit. But and I'm still in the process of doing research and kind of getting some some thoughts from different people that I trust and sure. you know in that field that have worked with NFL players, but. You know, there's going through and looking at the injuries as a whole through the NFL. Uh, USA Today put out a thing, I think it was back in 2010, about how big season in, ending injuries have been, uh, you know, over the last like 10 years from that standpoint. So let's just say 2000, 2010, and how much had ramped up. But going back and looking just at the Bears alone, uh, you know, and just kind of give a little bit of a backstory Jason George is their, their main strength and conditioning coach. Uh, you know, he's got a few assistants uh, under him, whatever. So l- looking just at the Bears as a whole through uh, his time here, 2015 and 2017, you've got a total of 43 players so far. And that's, what, 37 games, I think? Something like that. Yeah, 37 games because we just got the week five last night. So through 43 players through 37 games have been mm-hmm. placed on IR. But when you look at that, uh, you'd actually be surprised because in 2015 they only had 12. Uh, 2016 they had 19, which was last year. That was pretty big. And then 2017 so far, they've actually had 14 total players because you got to count some of the guys that have been released on injury settlements, so on and so forth. Uh, so you look at that, but I think the big thing here is you look at that by the numbers and you know where it ranks. 2015 was 21st, not bad. Last year was uh, 16th, and then this year has been – or sorry, last year was 6th, and this year is 16th. But I think the big the big key here is when you look at some of this is, is not so much by the ranks, but you look at the you know by the dollar you know by how much money is going on IR. I mean they ranked 11th in 2015. Uh, they were second last year, and so far they're sixth this year. And I think you know you see a lot of uh, muscle tears and stuff like that. And talking with a few different people, they've pretty much said the same thing. And this you know talk to one guy, and a little, it'll be all out in the article probably later on this week. But just talking with a few people. One that works with NFL players, uh, you know, during the offseason, stuff like that. The biggest common theme seems to be the fact that a lot of these muscle tears are from either overworking out, not training right in the offseason or bad downtime. You know, they're, they're not giving themselves a, uh, you know, time to recover. But it's just kind of getting to a point where, you know, the, the Bears have a very bad trend. And it's not to say that other teams don't because the Ravens uh, and the Chargers have both outled the Bears, you know, over the last three years in injuries. But I mean, this is becoming a serious issue. And it's something that a team like the Bears who are lacking talent anyway, especially top end talent. I mean, this cannot keep happening. Yeah. And they, they don't, like you said, they don't have the depth to overcome it. And if you look at the players, like you said, there's only nine on IR right now, but that doesn't include players that they IR'd and then released. One of those was Lamar Houston. Uh, but right now you're looking at starters Quentin Demps, Jarrell Freeman. Uh, Eric Cush was, was supposed to be a primary interior player who probably would have started two or three games already this season. Cameron Meredith, Patrick Stales, or Lawn Snapper, Kevin White, and Willie Young. I mean, those are all guys who they were counting on in a, in a substantial fashion this year who are gone, and, and, and they're not going to be back the rest of the season. You know, you last night... 
you, you're already out with Trevathan at inside linebacker, and you start Christian Jones and Timu. Timu goes down. Then you have to bring in a guy like Jonathan Anderson, who was just pulled up off the practice squad. And this is the situation that the Bears have gotten themselves in the last couple of seasons. And I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I'll be interested to read your piece and, and see what you come up with because I, I don't, you know, people ask me all the time what what the problem is. Why can't they stay healthy? And I really don't have a good answer. I I don't know if it's because of the strength and conditioning. You know, they, they, they've tried switching up their practice schedules. They did a entirely different practice schedule this year for the main purpose of trying to keep guys healthy and uh, just not working. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, it seems like they've tried a lot of different things and, and nothing seems to be uh, keeping these guys on the field. And like you said, it's it's the big name guys. It's the guys that make a lot of money that are out there. And I know last year they were second. A lot of that had to do with Jay Cutler being on IR, but still, but they had 19 players on IR and they're already uh, almost halfway there, uh, you know, week five, week six of the season. So this is uh, a trend that just is not getting every any better and you almost I mean it was almost surprising that Timu was the only guy that went down last night I know Kyle Long left for one snap with that ankle injury but came right back out but otherwise Bears uh, came out fairly unscathed Um, that's it for the injuries you want to start talking about Trubisky yeah let's uh, dive right into it all right well Mitch Trubisky first round pick had his first start last night Came out, I think he completed five of his first eight passes. That first drive looked really good. Uh, Probably his best throw came on that first drive. He uh, scrambled right, 45-yard bullet to Trey McBride, which was wiped out by a a Cody Whitehair holding penalty. Uh, But you kind of, throughout the game, you know, here and there, we saw those, those wild plays. We saw him throw on the run. But overall... It didn't help the offense, and he didn't end up really having a very good night. He made the type of mistakes that we both said he was going to make, and we'll get into a little bit more detail, but he finished up 12 of 25, 128 yards, only sacked once, had the one touchdown, one interception, QB rating of 60.1. His long, I mean, obviously he completed that 45-yarder that got called back, but his long on the night was 20 yards, and I think, you know, there's a few issues I want to get into with Trubisky, but I, I felt, other than that big pass early where he just found McBride deep uh, on a scramble, kind of a, a, a just a scramble play and letting McBride find a room down downfield, they never really took any shots over the top. And I want, you know, I have to wonder, I, you, you, Minnesota never stopped stacking the box. I mean, we talked about how the presence of Trubisky and getting Glennon out of there was going to stop that nonsense. And Minnesota was just stacking the box all night, and the Bears still never really went over the top. Did that surprise you at all that, uh, you know, with Trubisky's arm that Loggins was so, or I don't know if it was Loggins or if it was Trubisky, but, you know, that they just weren't able to push the push the ball over the top and get that, that extra guy out of the box? You know, the one thing outside of Trubisky, obviously, that really stood out to me last night was the coaching. They had, man, they are a poorly coached team. I mean, there's really, at least in my mind, there's really no other way around it. I think Dow Loggins, it's kind of that point, at least for me, where you know, you're know you a, a season of five games in, and the same common trends continue to happen. And you even go back and you look at last year. They don't really take very many deep shots. You look at this year, they've taken basically nothing. Their longest pass in the whole entire year. I mean, just, 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 just think about this for a minute. The longest pass the whole entire year is 38 yards. That came from Pat O'Donnell, the punter, last night on the fake punt. I mean, and that's the, that's the issue is that 
the the play calling, and I understand they they don't have any receivers. You know, the the offensive line's been shaky. Blah 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 blah. We can make excuses all day, but here's the thing: is the fact that they have been so predictable. When I can sit at home and I can sit there and watch the game and I can know exactly what they're going to do on first and second and usually third down. I mean, that's an issue. And I think some of it is obviously the penalties. Uh, I mean, let's just be honest. Trubisky didn't play good last night. I don't think he played bad, but I don't think he played good. I think. You know, he was going up against a really good defense, and, you know, and it, he had that first drive that looked pretty dang good. He made some, you know, it, the, those flashy throws that he's going to make. Uh, you know, he had the one mistake at the end that's going to happen, but it's it's still, you know, something that can't continue to happen. But it's hard for me to sit here and evaluate anything within the Bears' offense, especially, you know, you look at receivers, you look at the quarterback position, anything like that when – the play calling is so predictable. When they run the ball on first and second down, I don't know how many times last night they put themselves in third and long positions, and it was usually, and it's not like it was a third and seven. I mean, a lot of these were third and 12, third and 13 situations because of either bad play calling, penalties, whatever it may be, and that's another thing, penalties. So I just, it's tough because you'd like to see you'd like to see them go out and actually, you know, play well or at least have a, a really good way of being able to, uh, evaluate Trubisky, but it's going to be really hard if this continues because there's so many penalties. Uh, there's drop balls. I mean, I mean, I, I, I know it's still early, but dude, Deion Sims doesn't look like a good tight end. I mean, there's just really no way around that. He doesn't look like a pass catching tight end. He's not really that good of a blocker. Uh, and I just, it's it's really tough because it's I, I feel bad for even guys like Jordan Howard because it's very obvious when they're going to run the ball. I mean, there's a lot of times when they're stacking, you know, a tight end or two on one side of the formation. Uh, I mean, they're really just giving their plays away right away. And I think Dow Loggins' ability to adjust throughout a game is just not there. And it's concerning. Yeah, I agree. And I think that they, they're they not using uh, – you know, the, one of my problems last night, and we'll get back to Trubisky, but one of my problems last night was the use of Tariq Cohen and how uh, – you know, this was – you know, the secret is out with him. And you, the, what Loggins is trying to do now in week five is the same things that he was trying to do with Cohen in week one. And teams have caught up to that, and he doesn't really have an answer for it. Last night, Cohen, six carries, 13 yards, one touch for minus six yards. Now, that in itself makes – he was only targeted once. I don't understand. You have no decent wide receivers. You know, the guys who are getting open are dropping passes. Why are you not throwing it to the guy who gives you your best mismatch possibilities? I mean, Cohen, I think, has led the team in every other game uh, in targets and was only targeted once. I would think for a guy like Trubisky, Cohen could be that outlet option, that quick strike option uh, in those you know hot read situations when Minnesota was coming. I don't understand why he wasn't used that way. He's throwing the ball just once. I, I don't get it. So I think that they're going to have to kind of go back to the drawing board with, with Cohen figure out some more creative ways to use him, quit being so, like you said, it's a predictable offense. And you see, uh, you know, defense, you know, Cohen gets the ball when it's, they know it's going to be a sprint in one direction. So they're sprinting out to meet, to beat him to the corner with guys, uh, you know, cutting off the cutback lanes because they know that's where he's going to go too. I mean, there has to be better ways to use a guy who has that, that much burst and that much explosiveness and open field ability and home run ability. So I, I do, I think they have to go back to the drawing board, figure out a way to use him a little bit better. I agree about D. Deion Sims, guy just does. He does not looking good. He's dropping passes. He's not even doing well as a blocker if you look on tape. So, uh, I, a lot of situations last night. I was looking down from the press box and you know crucial situations in the fourth quarter. And Zach Miller is standing on the sidelines next to to Dow Loggins while uh, you know 
Deontay Thompson is out there and Deion Sims is out there and, and guys who you know don't give you anywhere near as much of an opportunity to make plays in the passing attack. Zach Miller is your best weapon at this point. I mean, Kendall Wright probably is your best receiver, which isn't saying a whole lot. But but if those are your best guys, you know, and include, I'm including Cohen here, why aren't they, they being used a little bit more? I'd like to see them throw to McBride a little bit more. The play that he made was amazing down the field, 45 yards, and they didn't throw the ball to him the rest of the night. So I, I think there's a little bit of, like you're right, Dow Loggins is misusing this talent, and you'd like to see him to get stop being so predictable, stop running the ball up the gut on first down all the time. I'd also like to talk about Jordan Howard real fast. Uh, and the, the between the tackles runs, I think it's great that Jordan Howard can do that. He can fall forward. But the Bears don't have a, a front line that is playing at a, at a level where those one-on-one blocks are going to going to be executed well um, on a consistent level. And I think it's more they are much more successful when they are on the move. I think Jordan Howard is very good on the edge. He, uh, people don't give him enough credit for his his vision and his cutback ability and his ability to turn the corner for as big as he is. I think he was very successful in those runs last night, and I think they need to do a little bit more of that. Get him outside, and then you and and get a little. Bit bit more creative with Cohen uh but yet why is Zach Miller standing on the sidelines in the biggest plays of the game do you have an answer for that I don't um and you know to kind of expand on that thought why is why is uh man I almost said Ben Broniker uh why is Adam Shaheen not getting more snaps I mean Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that's what I'm saying I mean just the over the over analyzing that's going on at least in my mind with Dow Loggins right now is just it, it just it doesn't make any sense I mean yeah, Zach Miller's their best, I'd say, probably the best pass catch right now. And, I mean, even going back last night, he only had three catches for 39 yards. And it, it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense what, what they're doing right now. It, like I said, it's just so predictable. And they get these they get themselves in these situations like that where it was the, the third and three, and Deion Sims runs a two-yard route. It's like, what do you – why? Why is that even – Yeah. You've got all these different options, and then another another point that you hit on that I wanted to talk about as well is Tariq Cohen. Yeah, they've they've done a terrible job of using Tariq Cohen the last few weeks, and I was looking at snap counts, and his snap counts have have gone down drastically over the last few weeks. I think they've gone from like forty five percent down to like twenty six in the last three games. And I understand that he's not being as effective. I get that, and I even tweeted about it last night. I think especially. In the open field, he's he's almost got like this, you know, when Devin Hester was in that little bit of a rut uh, yeah. midway through his career where he's just moving too much, you know, too much uh, laterally and not enough. It just it, – he needs to move forward. I, I guess we'll just put it that way. But with that being said, why isn't he being used as a receiver? Right. I mean they used him like, uh, you know, Tyreek Hill uh, in the first few weeks and it was really working out for him. And then all of a sudden – they're throwing on these screens. Every single team in the league knows what this offense is going to do. I know what this offense is going to do. I'm sitting at home on the couch, and I don't have nearly as good of an understanding as these guys do. So it's just I don't understand. You know, I, I tried giving Dow Loggins some some credit earlier on in the season, and I thought maybe maybe he was a guy that Trubisky was going to get in and granted Stiller, but, you know, he was going to get in and, and things are really going to start moving. But you watch last night and you watch how, I mean, there is no way it should have been a 3-2 game going in a half. I mean, they absolutely dominated that first half, even with as many mistakes as they made, especially with the penalties. And the fact that they couldn't find a way to get a touchdown out of any of that to do anything, it just, it doesn't make any sense. And the problem is, is I think we're starting to see that 
The Bears' defense has some good pieces, but they're not very good yet. I mean, they're probably, I'd say, top 12, top 15 type of unit, but they're not a unit that you can sit there and lean on like the Lovey Smith defenses. I mean, their offense is going to have to do something, and, the, and if this continues, I mean, we're going to see a lot of these games, and I think we're going to see a lot of close games anyway, but there's there's no reason why Trubisky should have gone from looking the way that he did in those first few drives to the way he ended out the game. And I'm not, I'm not making any excuse for his interception. That was a terrible decision, and that's something he's going to learn from. But why are they putting him in such bad situations, all these third and longs, all these predictable situations where you know he's going to throw the ball? And it's just, it, man, it's like I said, I think coaching was huge last night, and, I, and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But I, I've got a lot to say about the coaching, and it's not good. Well, you brought up, we can get to the coaching, but you did bring up penalties. And the Bears did score a touchdown in the first half, but Marcus Wheaton was called for a, a holding penalty on the edge, which very, very ticky-tack call, uh, in my opinion. Yeah, there was a little quick grab, but, man, I mean, that's a grab you see by seven different guys on every single play. I I don't understand how you can really make that call. Um, but, yeah, the penalty... The the refs screwed the Bears last night. I mean, there's really no way around it. They there were so many awful calls that went against the Bears. Bad. Yeah, I agree. I think the refs had a really bad night. I think I think Minnesota even ended up with more penalties. I mean, the refs really wanted uh, camera time last night, and that's a group um, that has been no Bogers group that's been known to really insert themselves into games, and it was really disappointing to see them do that on such a regular basis. I uh, can't really stand it when when refs when there's a flag every other play that that's not football that's not fun to watch, and I you know it's just it, to me it's a, it's a a, a a referee crew overstepping their boundaries and really taking over to the game and and making it theirs instead of the players and that's it's disappointing to see it's frustrating as hell for fans I can only imagine, um, but you talked about a couple of things uh, Benny Cunningham had 14 snaps compared to Tariq Cohen's 17 snaps so yeah I, I don't understand that right there I think uh, Tariq Cohen like I said before they got to get back to the drawing board and you did you talked about him running backwards that that stuff has to stop too especially as a punt returner he was you know he's trying to make He's trying to take it to the house every single time, and I think as a rookie you understand that. He does have that home run ability. It might have been a, a, a bad thing that he had so much success in week one because now he thinks he can do it every single time, but I think he needs to start learning that you know, maybe getting five, six yards sometimes is better uh, than trying to reverse it and then ended up getting a, you know, a three-yard loss. So uh, I think these are all things that, that you know these young kids can figure out uh, including Trubisky. Now, uh, talking about Trubisky, it was good to see him uh, get on the run. I thought that was uh, by far, you know, the biggest difference we saw between him and Mike Lennon was Trubisky's ability to move and throw on the run. Again, that throw uh, to McBride early was 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 beautiful and kind of really get, got everyone excited. Like, holy moly, this uh, this kid's for real. Didn't get any better from that point on, but you did see uh, some of the athleticism. I I worry though. Um, for three three reasons, because it was the three passes that were really bad uh, that were on the run. The first was uh, him throwing across his body when he was almost to the sideline uh, back to Zach Miller, and that was a play where Miller fell down trying to come back for the ball. Luckily, there was no defender there, but you throw across your body like that, you, you, you're probably going to get picked off. That should have been a lesson to him right there. Second, his touchdown pass, again, he threw across his body into traffic. He's lucky that ball wasn't intercepted. It was tipped right to Zach Miller. So first throw, cross your body. You got lucky there was nobody there. Second 
one. There was somebody there, and it got tipped, and you just were, you know, extremely fortunate it tipped to your guy. So there, again, there's your warning. Don't do that again. And then he did it again. Uh, threw it right into coverage, scrambling out. So not only, and that was the interception, and that was basically what sealed the game. Uh, for the Bears. He doesn't throw that interception. I mean, that's a fourth quarter drive where he should have stepped up, thrown that ball out of bounds, taken another play, and, and, and drove them down the field to win. That's what we expected out of Trubisky. Now, I think we're going to see a lot more of that as he as he uh, develops, but that was his opportunity. Instead, he got on the move and put the ball in harm's way again for the third time in the game. So I think now, all of a sudden, I'm seeing a guy who, yeah, we've talked about his mobility and his athleticism and how great that's going to be for the Bears, but now I'm looking at it as that's almost a dangerous thing if he doesn't start figuring out what to do when he's on the run. Yeah, he can run, but if you keep throwing across your body, I mean, that, that's there was three opportunities for interceptions right there, you know, and he already had, and one of them did get turned over, and he also had another fumble. So, I, you know, it it was a, a very Cutler-esque game <laughs> in that sense. Uh, d- does it worry you at all that's, that the mistakes that he made came on the run last night? Um, I'm not going to say I'm worried. Uh, I'm also not going to say I'm surprised. I mean, we talked about it, what was it, last week, about how, I mean, his accuracy in preseason on the move was a heck of a lot better than it was in college. And, I, I man, I still got to find that because I think it was Pro Football Focus who put it out. But him on the move at North Carolina, his his completion percentage dropped a good 15%, 20%. So, but here, here's my issue, and I think you bring up some very good points, But and I think this kind of ties in here, is the fact that every single time that he rolled out on a bootleg or whatever it may be, it was always to the right. So right there, you're basically cutting the field in half. Now, that may be cool to do sometimes, whatever it may be, but you've got to be able to switch it up, and I think some of that's going to come back to play calling. I understand that they're trying to keep him comfortable. I understand that they're trying to get him in a rhythm, but ultimately... We've seen how mobile quarterbacks, even if they're not you know, taking off on the run every single play, how these guys aren't going to hold up. And I think at some point, as, as things kind of move forward or whatever it may be, he's going to have to stand in the pocket and do a little bit more in the pocket. I, I like the design rollouts. I like what they're doing with them. But it's also – it's not going to work for very long. And, yeah, I, I do think that the – I mean, yeah, he made some he made some questionable throws yesterday, and I, I, I think – some of that can be kind of credited to, I think, you know, it being his first game, trying to do too much, and he's even talked about that. But I, I think it's just one of those things. I don't know how what we're really going to see from week in to week out, but what I will say is, you know, even going back and you look at what, you know, and I hate to make this comparison because I don't think it's linear, but, okay, let's just go back and look at Deshaun Watson's first, you know, his first game, the, the half that he played in week one. He was 12 for 23, 102 yards, uh, touchdown, interception, four sacks, one fumble lost. And then you look at Trubisky last night. He was 12 for 25, 128 yards, one touchdown, one interception, one sack, one fumble lost. Now, as somebody who has watched Deshaun Watson in every single one of his games that he's played this year, because I love this quarterback class, and I've done the same thing with Kaiser, what I will say is his first game and a half, uh, you know, the, the half that he came in in week one and then the, the game that he came in in week two, uh, versus what he's looked like the last three weeks has been uh, just a complete 180. And I think really what I'm trying to get at here is the fact that it's going to take Trubisky some time to get his footing in this offense. It's going to take Dowell Loggins probably some time. I'm hoping to God that this is true, that you know that he's going to be able to get a good play design, you know, just get a good game plan in general. Uh, but 
what I'm interested to see moving forward is how is Trubisky going to progress off this? You know, we've seen what Deshaun Watson has done. I mean, he's looked very impressive, even if his completion percentage wasn't, you know, as great as it should have been this last week. But we've seen a lot of progression from a guy like Watson. And I still feel 100 percent. I mean, it's one game, 100 percent that 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 Mitch Trubisky is going to be a good quarterback. And I think he's a better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. But I want to see the progression. The one thing I am a little concerned about is just the simple fact that, you know, Watson's got Will Fuller. He has uh, uh, Hopkins. He's, I mean, he's got a pretty decent amount of weapons on an offense that Trubisky just doesn't have. But with that being said, I think it's also key to keep in mind that we're, you know, I would rather look for development within Trubisky. I'd rather look for him to fix some of these mistakes. He didn't make the same mistakes twice in college. He didn't make the same mistakes twice in preseason. So I'm... I'm going to put faith in the fact that he's not going to make the same mistakes twice from you know one game to the next uh, when you you know when you're looking at uh, you know at the NFL level. So I just think there's a lot of things to kind of keep in mind at this point. It was like I said, it wasn't a good start, but I don't think it was a bad start. I do think there was definitely some issues there, but it's man, it's going to be a hard evaluation with him, especially if this team around him keeps playing like crap the way that they did. I mean, yeah. it's just it's just tough. Yeah, he's not getting a whole lot of help, and again. You know, we talked about it last week. The Bears led the uh, league in, in drops coming into the game, and one of the first plays, Deion Sims is wide open. He drops a pass. It's hard to get the offense in a rhythm when those types of things keep happening. We've mentioned the penalties. You know, penalties pretty much took they took well one penalty took seven off the board. If you if you uh, talk, include the white hair uh, holding call, that would that pass would have put the Bears into Minnesota the, the Minnesota red zone. So there's potentially at least three points potentially seven that might have been 14 points based on two holding penalties right there that's not how you help out your rookie quarterback and Dow Loggins came in and said everybody has to play well this isn't going to be just Trubisky and Trubisky made his mistakes but man everybody else made their mistakes too so I think you're right it's difficult to put too much on Trubisky uh, in this game Uh, I think he is going to get better I think we saw some flashes of that I think he learned a lot I think he learned about the speed of the game and one thing when I was talking to, to Moon after the game. He said when uh, uh, in, at college, when Trubisky had that uh, one play where he rolled out and he couldn't beat Daniil Hunter to the corner. Now, Daniil Hunter is a player that is much, much bigger than him. And in college, that's a play where Trubisky turns a corner and probably picks up 15 yards. And I think that was a, an eye-opening thing where, holy crap, this guy is huge and he's chasing me down. Those guys are, are a dime a dozen in the NFL. So he's not only learning about, uh, you, you know, what he shouldn't do on the run and you know the little things but he's also understanding that what he can and can't do against the type of athleticism that he's going to see on a weekly basis he's going to process all that if the you know if the bears coaching staff is uh, competent enough then you're right he shouldn't make those same mistakes again I, i would like to point out that the bears did not target xavier rhodes last night were you aware of that yeah, I saw something about that. Yeah. I think that's kind of smart. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a great thing. I think that shows right there that, and you and I talked. I think we even said, "Don't throw to Xavier Rhodes" in the in the podcast when we were previewing previewing it last week. And I think that was a smart move. I mean, that they did end up with an interception, and we did talk about how smart Harrison Smith is and how he could he could win that chess battle. And he actually end, did end up winning that chess battle against Trubisky. But staying away from Xavier Rhodes, at least to me, shows if that was a conscious decision. Who knows? Maybe that was 
uh, a total fluke, but it's the only time in his career he hasn't been targeted uh, in a game. It, staying away from Xavier Rhodes to me shows a level, you know, an already, already expanded level of understanding, uh, you know, baseline understanding of hey, we got to have to go after other guys because this guy's going to hurt us. Yeah, and one more, the, the really the last thought I have on Trubisky that I thought was very interesting that we haven't brought up yet is he walked in a locker room last night. And the first thing he says to Kendall Wright and the rest of the guys is, this loss is on me. And that's something that, I mean, one, I don't believe that's remotely the case. Yeah, he made that interception. He made a few bad plays. But, dude, they play like crap all the way around. So, But the fact that he was able to walk into the locker room and his first start after making a huge decision with the game on the line and really a mistake on, you know, with the game on the line and, and walk in to a bunch of dudes, you know, in a quarterback controversy that just ended a week ago and say, this was my fault. And the fact that all these guys rallied around him, I mean, listening to what Kyle Long had to say, uh, you know, listening to what Zach Miller had to say, listening to what Kendall Wright had to say about him after the game. I mean, these guys know, like these guys know that he is something that they probably haven't really dealt with before in terms of talent. I mean, Kyle Long said he's a special guy. It's crazy to be in the huddle with him. Uh, you know, he's calm, you know, Kendall Wright and uh, Zach Miller have all said the same thing. This guy's got a bright future. You know, we're behind him 100 percent. I thought that was interesting. And it's not really a shot at Cutler because I know Cutler's, you know, he's he's definitely taken blame and stuff, too. But it just seems like, you know, on, on this kind of level, it, it seems like Trubisky is the anti Cutler in a lot of ways. And I think he will be in the turnover, uh, you know, the turnover department, too. But I as a, as a fan, especially after seeing all the years that we've had to deal with, you know, the, the turnovers and just the the just disgusting games. It's nice to see a, a quarterback like Trubisky in his first year and his first start come out and say, this is on me. Even though I don't think it was, uh, I think he had a part, but I don't think it was fully on him. But the fact that he was able to come out and say that and be so confident even in the in the post-game interviews and stuff like that, I mean, that's – I just he shows so many good traits, man. I, I, I think we're going to look back at the start in a few weeks and going to be like, yeah, that was rough, but I, I think we're going to quickly move past this. And I think it's going to start against Baltimore. Yeah, I think that showed a lot of class. I think that showed – you know, I think from the very start, he's been ahead of the the curve on every level. Um, and I think that's mentally he's that way, too. So, again, you know, if he can process these things, uh, go to the tape, learn to not make those mistakes again. I think he's athletic enough, talented enough, smart enough where he's going to have these Deshaun Watson type games uh, earlier than, than later. Um, I think we're going to see a much better player by the end of the season. He's going to be ready to go by next year. Let's move over to the defensive side of the football. That's enough about Trubisky. Um, some good things on the defensive side of the football, but I, I will say we, we talked about injuries before. And if it wasn't for all those injuries at inside linebacker, I think the Bears might end up winning that game because if you watch that run, the 58-yarder by Jarek McKinnon, that play is on Jonathan Anderson. And he's basically, like I said, the guy you had to pull off the practice squad a few weeks ago just based on injuries. Uh, probably a play that Jarrell Freeman shuts down, a play that Danny Trevathan shuts down. Timu was having a great game before uh, he got injured. Uh, but but uh, Anderson got caught up in the wash, got tripped up, couldn't get in, couldn't scrape and fill that gap, and all of a sudden McKinnon was gone. So I, I think defensively that was one of those situations where, you know, when you're down to your sixth inside linebacker, you can't expect a whole lot, and that ended up hurting them. But I do think there were some really strong performances on the defensive side of the ball, starting with Leonard Floyd, who had two sacks. Uh, one of them was more of a coverage sack, the safety that he ended up getting. But 
Uh, we saw, you know, he ended up, ended up with six tackles. Uh, four of those tackles went for loss. Three quarterback hits. Just a real strong all-around game. And played well against the run. Uh, would you call it his breakout game of the 2017 season? I would say it's about damn time. <laughs> I, You know, I mean, we've, dude, we've talked about it. Yeah, you've been extremely high on him because you've seen him a lot more than I have. But, I mean, I think we both had high expectations. So it's it's awesome to see this finally happening. Uh Man, it was yeah, it was a great game uh, for him, and you know that 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 sack in the end zone, that safety, that was completely on Bradford. But hey, I mean the fact that he didn't give up on the play, and then he had the what was that like a fourteen yard sack of Bradford uh, towards the end of the the first half, that was also pretty impressive. And man, him and Akeem Hicks, that's what I'm saying, man. The the Bears have got some good building pieces on defense. They got some good building blocks. I mean, Akeem Hicks has been playing at an unreal level. Uh, you, I mean, you'd have to think that Leonard Floyd's going to come on and maybe not play at this level, but I think he's going to play at a much better level than he had the first four weeks. Uh, so, I mean, they've got some pieces, but the one thing I will point out um, and something that kind of went into my head last last night is I know before this season, you know, a lot of people kind of wondered, you know, it's, it seems like, you know, John Timu and Jonathan Anderson are kind of those guys that they keep sticking around, feels like they've been around forever. Uh you know, and everybody's kind of wondered, like, who's more valuable, stuff like that. I think we really found the answer to that last night. And I think yeah. it's John Timu. I mean, Timu's just a better player. I don't think he's nearly as athletic. Uh, you know, he's not as good as in coverage. But, I mean, he, dude, he played really good last night. But I think the biggest thing was, and even with Christian Jones on the field, the biggest thing was as soon as he went out, their run defense and honestly, their overall defense just completely yeah. fell apart with him not on the field. And I think that's a big. I think that's big because you look at Danny Trevathan, who's had multiple injuries. Uh, you know, he hasn't really played that well for the Bears. And Drell Freeman is coming off of a – well, next year will be coming off of an injury. And, uh, you know, he's he's getting on the older side. So it's nice to know that not only do they have Nick Kwiatkowski that can step in and, you know, maybe be a starter. But I think Jonathan Anderson is one of those guys, if he has a good athletic jack uh, around him that can cover and do what, what needs to be done – I think he can be a decent starting Mike at this point, but at very worst, I mean, he's really good depth, and I think that's another good undrafted free agent signing that uh, Ryan Pace has had. Yeah, but I mean, you need you need your starters out there, and you can't be. I mean, as as, as much potential as Anderson may have, he's been in this league for a little while, so I don't know if you know how much upside he has at this point. But I think that the, you know the the fact that he was even out there just put the put the Bears in a really uh, tough position because, like you said, guys were playing well last night. Akeem Hicks also had two sacks. Three uh, of his four tackles went for loss. Three quarterbacks uh, hits. The Bears were able to hold, and I know Stephon Diggs went out about halfway through the game, uh, but Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs were uh, league leaders in, in the yardage coming into the game. And I'm looking right now, Diggs, uh, one catch for four yards, and Thielen, five catches for 34 yards. I thought with Marcus Cooper out, I, uh, you know, with with Quinton Demps on IR, I thought the secondary played very well. I thought uh, Prince Mukamara had a very strong game. I thought Adrian Amos brought a level of toughness uh, to that to that secondary that I haven't seen in a while. I thought he even played better uh, in coverage as well. Eddie Jackson had a strong game. I think, like you said, there's some pieces here, and you know, it's disappointing that the linebacker position got got so decimated and it ended up costing them, but. If you can keep a couple of those inside linebackers healthy, there's enough talent here where, like you said, they're not going to be able to lean on on this defense like they did back in the in the 2000s under Levy Smith. But I think this is a a potential top 10 defense that can keep you in most games. So if 
you know, Logan starts to figure it out. They get a, a more efficient run game, and Trubisky starts to develop. I think we could see a, a good all-around team here, assuming guys uh, can, can stay off the injury report. But, I mean, Pernell McPhee had two quarterback hits last night. Uh, Eddie Jackson and Bryce Callahan had a pass breakup. Christian Jones, he had an outstanding game, too. He had a couple real uh, uh strong run fills early in the game and had that one tip where he almost had the interception uh you know he looked like the best player on the field last night led the team in tackles so uh, yeah i think there's some like you said there's some good young talent here guys need to stay healthy and they need to get better quarterback play but i think that's going to come in the in the near future now the one issue that i do have with the uh defense and we all know it's an issue is turnovers something they talked about all offseason about how they wanted to increase turnovers right now bears have three total turnovers no turnovers last night they are tied for 28th in the nfl in in takeaways i, I nothing has changed and i, and I think uh, you know you have you, you posted a few things on twitter about fangio and and outside of his days in san francisco he's never really had the type of defenses that turn the ball over and it's it's starting to hurt him i think yeah i agree i mean when you really look at it uh, 11 out of his 18 seasons, uh, they've been ranked in the bottom half of the league in turnovers. And really, outside of what he did in San Francisco, uh, he's never really been known for having good defenses in general. But, I mean, you look at the, the look at the turnovers, and, I mean, it's just he ranked basically the 10 out of his 18 seasons. Uh, they were ranked 23rd or lower in that category. And, I mean, he had six seasons where they were in top 10, but... When you when you really look at it, even within those numbers, uh, the secondary's really never been known to make too many turnovers. It's mainly been fumbles and whatever else. But I mean, this has always kind of been the design of a Vic Fangio defense, uh, you know, outside of San Francisco, where they had an, an unreal amount of talent. And the problem with that is, is it now that we're talking about a defense and a, and a team overall that is is kind of competing? They they played a little bit better than I think you and I have expected up to this point, except for the uh, the blowout loss, the the two blowout losses. But they've been competitive in the other three games, and a couple of turnovers in one of those games. Probably the you know who knows the Bears might be three and two right now. I, I, they they're just not getting them, and that's disappointing. They're not taking advantage of the opportunities. They had one opportunity. Uh, on a fumble that they just couldn't hop on last night, it's it's just unreal how they aren't able to, uh, you know, to to corral that football and they consistently lose that uh, turnover battle. They were minus two yesterday, and you know, lost in a three point game. That's the difference right there. So I, I don't know what again. I don't know why that so many people are getting injured, and I don't know why they can't get more turnovers. But if those two things don't change, uh, not a whole lot's going to change on the scoreboards. Finally, uh, let's discuss John Fox a little bit. Uh, Bears are driving <laughs> into Minnesota territory. First quarter had momentum, and uh, for, they have a fourth and in inches. He uh, Trubisky admitted after the game there was a little confusion in the headset. They end up taking uh, a timeout. They send the the punt team out then. Then they turn around, send the punt team back off the field, put the offense back out there into a huddle. And then they don't break the huddle until there's six seconds left on the clock and get called for delay a game and they have to end up punting. John Fox blaming it on the refs not having the right ball out there. Are you buying that? No, I'm not. I, I mean, let's just look at this yesterday and look at last night and look at the the two turnover the two turnovers the two timeouts that they burned that one where. They, you know, I mean, you just talked about it. That's just plain stupidity. I mean, there's no reason for that. And then he's over there on the the, the the sidelines laughing. It's like, dude, what are you laughing about? Like, you just 
just ruined a chance to get points or to convert on a fourth down. But then you look at it again and you look at the, the fourth quarter and the early fourth quarter when they the Minnesota called the timeout, right? The yeah, Bears have yeah. the ball. Minnesota called the timeout and then the Bears come out and then they have to call a timeout. And it's like, dude, what is going on? And I mean, like I said, I mean, the, the, the coaching was awful last night. I mean, there's just for, for a, a veteran coach like John Fox and, you know, everything else that's been going on, there's just no excuse for the amount of penalties. I, I think to me, that's a lack of Lack of discipline. I'm not going to put that all in the coaching, but just there's so many different traits right now that are going on that show a team that lacks talent, but more, most importantly, a team that is poorly coached. And I think we've seen that throughout. Really, John, I mean, John Fox's whole entire career so far in Chicago has been that. But I mean, dude, he's the losing his coach in Chicago Bears history right now. I mean, let's just put that out there. Uh, I, I I think people are kind of underselling the fact that. I mean, John Fox is going into a lame duck year. I mean, he's got one year left on his contract after this. Uh, Vic Fangio is in the last year of his deal. Uh, chances are he's not coming back regardless. And he, we've kind of talked about it before, but I think it's it's really about that time to start talking about it. And I mean, they, they're they one and four. They've won, what, uh, what is it, 10 games since John Fox has been here. He's like 10 and 27 or 10 and 28. I man, I really think we're seeing the last of John Fox, and quite frankly, I think we need to see the last of John Fox. That's just my take. Yeah, and I think you know you bring up a good point about that stupid timeout. I mean, the Bears they were struggling for time at the end of that game. One more timeout might have given them an extra 30, 40 seconds to potentially get into field goal range. I mean, they got the ball back, but they only had eight seconds because they weren't able to, to to shut the clock down and save about you know thirty, thirty five seconds. Uh, to give him a, to give him an opportunity to make a couple of plays and potentially get in a field goal range to tie the game because John Fox is calling timeouts after Minnesota just called a timeout. I don't understand how that even happens, but uh, you know those are the types of mistakes that cost you games, and we've seen mismanagement over and over from a head coach who doesn't even call plays. I don't get it. Uh, I think you are right. Uh, you know his seat is super hot when you have the worst uh, winning percentage in franchise history for uh, an NFL franchise that began in 1920. You are not doing things right. So. So unless something dramatically changes here over the next, uh, well, how many games we got left now? 11. Uh, it's, uh, I don't see John Fox being around after the season. I think that's going to make you very happy and a lot of Bears fans happy. On that note, we're going to finish it up here with this uh, first week six uh, podcast. We will have another podcast later on this week. But that'll do it for now. Please follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Lemming NFL. You can also give me a follow at Bear Report. Check out all our work at BearReport.com as well as the Bear Report Facebook page. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Have a great week, everyone, and we will talk soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.